Welcome to the Jig Is Up. Of course, my name is Darcy, and with me, as always, is Jason. Hey, buddy, how's it going? Good. It's good to see you in the flesh again. Yes. We are a couple of days late recording this episode, so I apologize to everybody, but work happens, and... You can blame it on me. No, I know. I can't blame it on you. Well, you had the accident, but... (laughs) That's right. No, it was just uh, work. I had to do a lot of work over the last couple of days, and I didn't have time to get this... get sit down and record, so... It was all good with me. I was laid up anyway. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so you had the big accident. I told everybody last time you were not on the show because of the... I think that was like the day you got hit. Yeah. So, so, but you're okay. Family's good. Yeah. Walked away from it, so a little sore, bumped up, but hey. Well, that's good. But rode off the truck and... Yeah, got 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 the father-in-law a new truck out of the deal, so he's nice. like, I'm in his good books this week. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I'm glad everything was okay that way. You're just sore, but ah, you can tough it out. I'm old. It comes with the territory. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> now you just got an excuse to nap every day. Yeah. Um, all right, so we got a couple of things uh, we should jump right into. The Assembly of Nova Scotia Mi'kmaq Chiefs and the Métis, Nation of, uh, Métis National Council sorry, have signed an MOU to respect each other's nationhood and work together to discredit Eastern Métis. So I don't know if you had a chance to read much of that, but uh, I, my first thoughts was it was very colonial, and two colonial organizations signing an MOU to fight against their own people against indigenous people, but I thought that was interesting. Well, the whole article, again, is a great big face palm, right? Like, Yeah. I think that the sh- what people need to realize, what I took away from the article is good political uh, engineering is what this is, is a good yep. spin position where you've got the uh, Nova Scotia you know, community using essentially the MNA's credibility, the MNC's credibility with uh, the West and standing in league with the government. Yeah, um, using their credibility to discredit um, anyone who opposes them in Nova Scotia. Yes, um, trying to create their land claims is a singularity. Yeah, that they're the only Indigenous people that have ever occupied yeah. that territory, and I think that's what um, that really got me frosty about that article was the lack of transparency. Is a good, you know, news article trying to show that this was very positive. But, you know, underneath that veil is something very kind of sinister. Absolutely. And I, I think um, it, I, I understand that they do have problems out there with some of the groups say, using their cards as discount cards and things like that. Um, but I, I don't think that should be the reason that you kick everybody out of the circle. Um and so I understand they're, they're the problems they have with those people, but it wasn't actually that long ago that the Métis National Council and the cartel had those same problems because they were handing out cards to just about anybody. Um, when I remember a few of the events I went to during the elections here in Alberta, and there was all, every single event I went to, people would talk about East versus West and, and how you know here in Alberta they used to hand out cards to anybody who sent in an application form, got a card. They had uh, people that were from the East Coast working in Fort McMurray, filling out their applications and getting their Métis Nation of Alberta cards for whatever benefit they were getting out of it. But they weren't at all you know, Métis at all, but they were still getting their cards. And so what I thought was interesting is like you, you have problems out East that you had here, but only here now they get millions and millions and millions of dollars for the registry. So now suddenly they're the experts and they have these strict criteria and, you know, blah, 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 blah. But that's only after millions of dollars of government funding, coincidentally, trying to exclude Eastern Métis 
one now that they're funded and they've shored up these problems on their end according to the Canadian government. Mm-hmm. I think so, that's exactly right though is that the backstop to this conversation really is federal recognition. Yeah. The federal government recognizes both of these parties who now make their MOUs with each other. Um, so any other group in you know in the east who's fighting for that equal recognition is being silenced by government sponsored uh, lobby yes. groups. Exactly. And in First Nations, right? Yeah. So we're using we have a First Nations here that's using their leverage uh, and then using the government-sponsored MNC lobby group to minimize other people, other Indigenous groups looking for yeah. that same and equal recognition. And I think that's the disastrous, sinister thing that's going on here yeah. is we're, we've now turned on each other like rats in a cage, <laughs> yeah. fighting for what we perceive as these limited amounts of crumbs from the, the yeah. table of the federal government. And I think that's a real problematic stance moving forward, and especially places where there's no treaties. Well, it is, and I, I have to wonder, like, um, you know, the Assembly of Nova Scotia Mi'kmaq Chiefs, I understand their motivation in the fact that they want to not have uh, new groups try to come into some sort of land claim or, or some ongoing process that they've had uh, for their rights. And I totally get that, but at the same time, like, look who you're signing a deal with. You're signing an, an an MOU to with an organization that tramples on First Nations rights at any chance it has to do so in their quote unquote homeland. Mm-hmm. So it's it's okay to not do it in the East Coast, but it's totally okay to do it in Ontario, Manitoba, Saskatchewan, Alberta, and BC. Yeah, exactly. And and that for me was was again one of the troubling things is like. Uh, is just that that you you know you kind of signed up with the devil almost where it's like well but all these things that you don't want to happen in your territory they're doing in other territories so yeah and that's what we talked about in Manitoba when we're talking about the MMF you know when the land claims deal yeah. with it to the exclusion of all First Nations in the territory and the exclusion of the yeah. conversation and being at the table so and, and again this boils down to the fact that instead of a First Nation organization sitting down with the Métis in their community. And finding a way to be inclusive to put them all at the same table. Yeah. We have, again, these little organizations and these bands excluding Métis people to the outside. Yep. And it really becomes a fight then. Whereas yeah. if we, they took the exact opposite thing and built bridges and said, look, at how do we include them into the same claim? How do we include the Métis yeah. people in Nova Scotia into the same territorial discussions? Yep. Then it's a mute point. Absolutely. And so what I have a problem with with the article is we're really trying to use these organizations to foster a sense of identity. So if the Métis National Council is then, you know, because they have First Nations support, they're again the only authorized, you know, creditor of your Métis identity. Yeah. And I think that's a real fallacy. Absolutely. Well, and and it, it goes against, you know, UNDRIP. It goes against the, you know, things like that where you're supposed to have the right to self determination. But by doing things like this, they've ba- they're basically eliminating your right to self-determine or self-identify. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I just I I I don't I don't understand why how these groups like it's it's really a bit of nimbyism. Like as long as it doesn't happen in our backyard, it's okay. But I don't know. It just seems I don't know. The whole thing seemed a little off-putting. Um, I mean, I understand the theory of what they're trying to do. But I agree with you. I think it would be better to work with people. Yeah. If there and was, if, there, if, if there's groups yeah. you don't want involved and you don't like the way they do things, 
work with the other groups there that are willing to work with you and want to do things right to set yeah. those things right. That's right. So if there was a question about authenticity, who's really Métis? What yeah. are the Métis people in our territory? Well, this is within their this First Nation's complete power to sit down with them and come up with a criteria that yeah. is, you know, meets those definitions of terms and then be inclusive towards them. Instead, what we have is one organization using what they perceive as the political leverage of the other organization to minimize its opposition. Yes. So this is great colonial politics and colonial spin. It is. You know, to minimize those who they feel are in opposition or challenging their stance. That's that. This is great conquer and divide yep. politics. Right. You know, we see this all the time in colonial government. Absolutely. And it does exactly what the Canadian government wants, which is eliminates their or reduces their fiduciary responsibility. Because mm. now they can again. And we said this on the show before where they're going to use this to go. Well, hey, First Nations and, and Métis said there's no Métis out there. We didn't do it. We don't mm. even have to apologize now. We're totally responsible free on this one. But they've eliminated however many provinces of people that they no longer have a fiduciary responsibility to, according to their perspective. Mm-hmm. So I think it, it is it's very difficult for me to get past the fact that both of these organizations are colonial organizations created by a colonial system, funded by a colonial government, with people that have made their livings off colonial paychecks for decades, signing agreements to say, oh, these people aren't indigenous enough. Like, <laughs> I can't. I just can't get past that. That's that's the sticking point for me. Well, it really is. That's what I say. You know, we're rats in a cage where it seems like the only profit that indigenous, pe- indigenous people find these days is, is you know, turning in other indigenous people. You yeah. Know? We, we've lost the ability to unify and create a unified front against... The government, mm-hmm. you know, to protect land, water, and, and indigenous right, and now we're fighting each other over authenticity mm-hmm. to see who actually can get the most, you know, crumbs from the table. Yeah, you know, and the more crumbs we get, and these these organizations mm-hmm. get, the more they seem to, you know, use it to validate their position. So if I get more money than your organization from the federal government, well, clearly. I'm more indigenous than you. My exactly. opinion's more yeah. valid than yours. And we're using the federal government and its funding policies as a True. form of recognition. So yeah. the MNC gets the most money of any Métis organization. Therefore, it's the only authentic one. That's, that Absolutely. is the, the one plus one in this equation. Yeah. And I think that's the real you know, problem I have with this is we're invalidating everybody outside of the MNC's homeland is to say, well, then you're, you can't be Métis. Except we know that's not true because look at the Northwest. Exactly. Exactly. Well, and and to, to say nothing of the fact there is actually a lot of Red River Métis that are living in the East now that um, how do they access programs and services for Métis people? Mm-hmm. Well, they can't because there's no Métis in the East. Well, yeah, but people moved around since the mid-1800s. Like, but you can't access those programs and services. So it. It speaks to a huge problem amongst the cartel, too, where they're siloed into their provinces of the homeland, which is a ridiculous thing, but they've siloed themselves into, so, you know, Alberta is separate from Saskatchewan, it's just separate from everybody else, and, and now if you're outside of that homeland, you're just screwed, you're done. And then it goes back to opening up that conversation about what is a nation and constitutions, and I mean, this is just circles, it's just mm-hmm. circular arguments of how ridiculous these organizations are in their hypocrisy. They claim to respect Micmac rights, but they won't respect, you know, Anishinaabe rights in their own ter- in their own homeland because they don't own the land. 
So which is it? Do you respect First Nations rights or not? Because it's really easy to respect the First Nations rights when they're not in your homeland. Yeah, when you're not competing with them. Yeah, when you don't have to worry about it. Yeah. I can give you two thumbs way up. And for me, that's what this really (laughs) boiled down to is it's a win for the Mi'kmaq in Nova Scotia. Because they're, you know, they can thumbs up the MNC because the MNC isn't in their territory. Exactly. And the MNC gets the opportunity to validate First Nation sovereignty because it's not in their territory. Exactly. And so it's two people who have no joint interest in each other's territorial claims patting each other on the back. Yes. To minimize their own oppositions. Yes. So, you know, the MNC can go home and say, see, we support First Nations rights. Yeah. Right up until, like you said, you actually look how they treat the First Nations in Manitoba. Yeah. In in all of their territories. Mm -hmm. I mean, look at their relationships here in Alberta. Oh, yeah. You know, you want to talk about respecting First Nations rights. You're going after hunting rights without talking to First Nations at all. Mm-hmm. Well, isn't that one of the problems they have on the East Coast is that they don't want all these Métis groups getting harvesting rights in their territory on top of their harvesting rights, which I understand. That's exactly what's happening in every other Métis National Council province yep. is they have hunting rights on top of the First Nations without ever consulting with First Nations. So I... It's a, it's, it's, yeah, it's really easy to do that. It's like us congratulating, you know, Mexico for something and them congratulating us for being our own countries. But we don't have to worry about that because we don't have to deal with those problems because they're in Mexico mm-hmm. and we're here. So it's great. Yeah, it's ridiculous. On the heels of that, though, um, I think it was today the ruling came out or yesterday, the Supreme Court ruled that the Canadian government does not have uh, to consult Indigenous people when passing laws that directly affect indigenous people. So again, you know, it's a very clear colonial message that this whole nation-to-nation conversation isn't quite what people think it is. I think to indigenous it means one thing, and to the colonial structure it means a completely different thing. Yeah, boy, I had to tell you, boy, it's a good thing I was sitting down when I read that, because, ooh, what a shocker. Yeah, yeah, no kidding, right? A big cliffhanger. The Canadian government didn't recognize them as equals? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I mean, how many times have we said on our our show here that that the Crown, the court, and I think this is my biggest takeaway from that one, is that I think too many times Indigenous communities and Indigenous people have thought that the Supreme Court of Canada was on their side. Yes. And the reality is we've never got a true win out of the Supreme Court of Canada. It's always been a half measure and a half step. Yep. And this, again, only goes to prove that taking things to the Canadian court only works as long as you never ask them to recognize you as an equal. Yes. Because the crown is a crown. It's called a crown. I mean, think of the king's crown. The king's crown can never acknowledge (laughs) a power equal to or superior to the king. Exactly. Yes. And that's no... It's not built that way. That's how this ruling was. That's why they call it the crown. The honor of the crown is upheld because it it acknowledges its own sovereignty. Absolutely. So we as indigenous people, I don't know why we would do that. Why would we go there? I Well, and and then you look at some of the other, like look at Pauli. It was a double-edged sword. It was a victory for the Paulis and their community, but it now it's being used against Métis people. And, oh, and who can be Métis? Yeah. You have to meet Pauli in order to be Métis now. And, um, you know, even the Daniels decision was a, a win, but was it? Because what's really happened? It didn't lay out anything the government really had to do. So they have a fiduciary responsibility to Métis. Well, according to the government of Canada, by working with the Métis National Council, they're meeting that. Mm-hmm. And the Métis National Council says, you're meeting it. You're doing great because you're the answer to our prayers, Justin. Yeah. 
You are you are the Jesus to our the world. The second coming of Christ. That's to the right. People, it's like the resurrection of Riel himself. <laughs> so, I I mean, in all fast, in all reality, those those relationships believe that everything's great, and so it, I don't know. It was a not a surprising loss, but I'm 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 surprised how many people really thought that the Canadian government would recognize them as equals. Because like we were talking beforehand. Um, the Canadian government's idea of self-government is to recognize at the most as a provincial level. Mm-hmm. You know, you will be equal to a province. Even though, you know, in the case of Métis, if you have no land, I don't know how you're equal to a <laughs> province. But let's move on from that. Yeah. Um, so so that's the highest you're ever going to achieve. Um, and I think in a lot of cases, they're looking at the municipal level of trying to get, you know, the reservations and stuff to be municipal level mm-hmm. government so is it's not nation to nation at all no and i, I think that there this is a, a problem with a lot of indigenous perspective is they don't really understand how the government of canada is structured and that's why yeah. the, the reservations are talking at a municipal level is because all resources especially in the western provinces are handed and mitigated by the the province yeah. So if you're talking about land, if you're talking about uh, industry, you're talking about resource, that's all at a provincial jurisdiction. Yes. Well, how do you create another province in the province of Alberta? Yeah. So even if you put all the reservations in Alberta together, what would you have? And then are you going to recognize that as an equal intercessory party inside the, the country of Canada, the Confederation of Canada? Yeah. So you can't reconfederate Canada with the introduction of... Yeah. What twelve new indigenous provinces that are coexisting with inside of, you know, colonial <laughs> provinces? Like I really don't think they've thought this and stepped this out in in a litigating way. Yes. So when they go to court, and they lose these cases, well, mm-hmm. yeah, it's no wonder because it's a misappropriation of steps. Yes. You know, and I think that's the real problem. Well, that's just it. I mean, there's already an issue with. Um, you know, roles and responsibilities just from between provincial and federal. Mm-hmm. Now you're going to throw in a third provincial, provincial, federal. Mm-hmm. And it's, now you've got a threesome that's not functioning at all. This is not a happy threesome. Yeah. Like, so I don't know how, how that's all going to work. And and that's what I find with a lot of this is it, it just doesn't seem like nobody's looking, okay, a hundred years from now, here's what we want this to look like. Now let's work towards that. It just seems to be, Let's put a Band-Aid on it so we can get reelected, or we can get some more funding, or we can please Justin and get more funding, and or we can be good political uh, allies and get good media coverage, but nothing really gets fixed and changed. Yeah, and I think that's a big challenge. When we talk about mm-hmm. looking at seven generations, I mean, we've come to these government-funded indigenous organizations who really aren't looking at seven generations. They're not even looking at two-term elections anymore. No. I mean... So we have the Trudeau government that has, in a lot of ways, really lived up to the Daniels case with the introduction of programs and services. Yep. For the the, the space facts, the majority of Métis people, mm-hmm. statistically. So they fulfilled their obligation to meet the Daniels case for as long as they're in power. Yes. But there's no guarantee because nothing's written in stone that this yeah. is some kind of ongoing obligation. It's just a policy of the Liberal Party. Yes. Which means the minute that the Liberal Party's out, a lot of this funding can go away because it's not an actual mm-hmm. uh, legislative thing in response to the Daniels case. Absolutely. It's and a 
political platform. Absolutely. And I mean, with this ruling, I mean, I've been trying to understand how people don't see that realistically right now, Carolyn Bennett or Justin Trudeau or somebody in those positions could simply make a decision on behalf of all Indigenous people in Canada. And that's the decision. They can arbitrarily decide anything they want. If they decided that uh, every res has to have a purple sidewalk at every entry and exit, that's what you get. And, it, you know, that's a stupid example, but that's the ridiculousness of, of the fact that they still hold all of the power for every single real decision that needs to be made. And that power sits with non-Indigenous people in those positions. And so this ruling, while it's not a surprise, just kind of reaffirms that at any point in time, good old JT, the answer to all Métis prayers, could just make a decision, and you have to go with that. You have no real recourse. And I think that's what we don't really realize in, in all the funding that's been addressed to us, is it wasn't negotiated. No. So all the money the MNC is getting right now, and all of the stuff here in Alberta that they're getting, wasn't negotiated. No. It was set out by the Liberal government. It was set out in their budget to the House. Mm-hmm. It was all put forward to them. They voted on it, and then they tell us about it. Yeah. So there's not a nation-to-nation relationship. No. There was no negotiations of programs and services. The government decided which Métis programs and services it would fund, yeah. to what level it would fund, how long it would fund, the term of which it would be paid. Yeah. And they only told the, the Métis people about it. Yes. And so this court ruling only reaffirms the fact that this is the way it's always been, and it will continue to be that way. Absolutely. And the next government that gets in who's not liberal, has different policies, they're going to cut all the funding, and you're going to be in the exact same position you were five years ago with Harper. Mm-hmm. So you, you're not gaining. Well, No, and that's the real danger of this short-sightedness. Yes. Is we take these, court, these cases to court, and we halfways win. But the reality is, even when we have all this money, everyone's so up in arms and Yahoo yeah, yeah. internet times. But they're not looking at the fact that it, that this government is meeting what Daniel's laid out in that win, mm-hmm. but not through a legislative way, not yes. in a responsive way. Yeah, to yeah. say, okay, Daniel said we must, therefore legally, this is now the binding arbitration that we've come yeah. to through negotiation that how we'll meet this in programs and services. This is not even as entrenched as something that is now legally you know, a portfolio to be funded through the, you know, former INAC. Absolutely, yeah. It's simply a Liberal Party platform. Yes. That that should, if we had any seven-generation forethought in in mind, uh, be woefully lacking to us in in some kind of continuity. Because just like you said, Darcy, in four years, this could all be gone. Absolutely. And it will. And the next government will come in and say, well, we're going to uphold, of course we'll uphold the Daniels decision. That's the Supreme Court ruling. But we're going to do it in a different way. And Daniels didn't say anything about having to pay for programs and services. It said we have a fiduciary responsibility. So we'll pay for your health care. And your, we're already paying for that. And your education. Like, we'll pay, you know, you get relatively free education in Canada. So they really could just sit back on their heels and go, well, but we're already meeting our fiduciary responsibility to Métis people. Or not, they really could just go back to silence so, because everything yeah. that's happening is a Liberal Party platform. Exactly. Not not a legality. And it's of, not a law. Right. And Daniels doesn't say the government must fund programs and services of these kinds at this level. <laughs> it's not in there. The, the fiduciary responsibility is 
to ensure that, uh, you know, you have life and mm-hmm. you're able to live equal but to other Canadians. But that's the thing is that's the, it. The, the Trudeau government hasn't made it a law. No, they haven't, they haven't and they won't. They haven't made this level of funding a, a law, a continuum, past yes, themselves. that's right. It's a Liberal Party platform. It is, totally. So yeah. and, that, and that's the real danger here is that because it's not a law that this funding for these programs and services for Métis Housing, Métis Health, yeah. you know, for Métis Seniors, because it's not a law... Yeah, it just goes away. It could just go away, and it is likely to go away. And very yeah. much likely to go away with the next government. And all that, all this current ruling was is exactly that, to prove that we have no say. Once these the Liberals are gone, and Justin Trudeau is no longer our savior, yep. that this, again, some other non-Indigenous party, without any consultation to Indigenous people, will arbitrarily change the rules. Yeah. Well, and there's a couple of things that I thought of out of this uh, that I thought, well, how this doesn't necessarily, I mean, this has nothing to do with government's requirements to consult on energy, things like pipelines. However, given the right government, perhaps Justin wouldn't do this. Maybe. I'm not sure he wouldn't, but maybe he wouldn't. But let's say the next government comes in and they say, well, if we don't, if, if we don't have to consult with them when we pass laws, that directly affect them. Well, then why don't we just pass a law that says we don't? I mean, we can pass any law we want, and if they want to challenge it to the Supreme Court, have twenty years, go for it. But they could—they literally could pass laws saying uh, we see pipelines as critical structure, um, and we no longer have to consult with anybody to build them because this is Canadian land; it's all Crown land. Mm-hmm. And uh, as long as it's not going through your res. Well, and even there, the government controls that land. But I mean, so you're exactly right. Go around the res, but otherwise, screw y'all. Mm-hmm. And if they pass that law, they don't have to consult with anybody to pass the law. Once it's a law, the courts must uphold that law. Mm-hmm. Well, now you've just sidestepped everything, and it wouldn't put it past any government to do that. Well, we've seen the, we've seen the tip of the iceberg there with Harper uh, deregulating uh, so much of our natural resources. Yes. And they did that with no consultation. Absolutely. Um, and it doesn't matter. And that's, I think, what people don't understand about the Canadian governmental system is that once you have a majority in the House, you can put through whatever law you want. Exactly. It doesn't matter who whines and snivels about it on the opposition side. You have a majority. Side. You have a majority. Yeah. And I think that's where this ultimately goes. And I think why this is so, we live in, in I think, a time where we really need leadership that looks in a long-term direction. Yeah. Uh, past current funding is because it's exactly that. This law really reaffirms and should reaffirm, like you said, for Indigenous people, the fact that the government can put through any law at any time in regards to land, water, and Indigenous territory yeah. with any without any consultation. Yeah. So the very little privilege we have now in protesting and trying to get consultation on non-designated you know, designated reserve land, and Métis have no land at all, um, could be removed. Yeah. As simple as that. Could be. Yeah. It was. You have to remember that that law was put in. Yes. And that law can be taken out. Exactly. I mean, we had uh, all he. I mean, I remember Harper unprotected hundreds of thousands of waterways and and protected natural habitat areas and stuff. He just, with a stroke of a pen, undid all that. Mm-hmm. They'll just bring in these omnibus bills that they just it just takes away three hundred different things and it, every and then you just lost it. And that is a that is not just a conspiracy theory. That actually happened. Mm-hmm. And so, is it unlikely for that to happen now? Well, maybe. I mean, maybe JT won't do it 
until after the next election if he were to do it. But like, he's not going to do it now because he wants to get reelected. But who's to stop him from doing it after? I mean, I, I, I realize he is the answer to our prayers. But beyond the biblical, mm-hmm. you know, aspect of Justin, he may decide, you know what, this whole pipeline needs to go through and we need to get a workaround. So let's just pass the law. And he can because he has full authority over all indigenous issues. He can make decisions without consulting. That's what this law says. And they can they can do what they want. Mm-hmm. It's, it, their, it's their land is how they see it. And it is. And we always see, I don't even think they'll have to change any laws. You know, if it was, if BC was online with the pipeline already, mm-hmm. uh, because they already have the big LNG pipe, you know, gas line going in. Yeah. If this was, a no, if BC wasn't so opposed, this would already be a done deal. Yes, it would. Uh, all we have is colonial children squabbling right now. Yes. You know, the Alberta baby versus the BC <laughs> baby and who's whining the most. And they want the headlines. And, and, and Trudeau's just trying to mitigate it so he doesn't lose any voters. Yes. In the upcoming election. Yeah. Uh, but let's not fool ourselves. If BC said, no problem, let's slap that pipeline in, buddy, so we can, you know, yep. get, get some economy going from their perspective, it would be in. It'd be done. This Absolutely, would, it'd be done. It wouldn't matter. You can no. protest all you want. You all be in jail. You can try to standing rocket all you like. It's over. It's, it's going, going in as much as the pipeline went in down there. So it'll go in here with, and it yes. won't make any difference. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, the whole squabble really was just uh, the BC premier trying to meet his base and get them to love mm-hmm. him. The Alberta premier trying to meet her base and getting, trying to get reelected in, in grabbing some votes of people going, oh no, she stands up for the oil industry. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the prime minister was just trying to mitigate it so that he can garner some votes by saying, I'm for the pipeline. But if it doesn't get built, we're good. Like then I can go over here and say, well, I'm all about green energy. Mm. And I can go over here and say, well, about the pipeline. Yeah. So it's it, it's for them it's a political game. Yeah. It has they don't care about no. rights and land and, and water. We have hundreds of millions of pipes in the ground now. It, they don't care. No. <laughs> so if, if putting one more in is gonna get them elected, they would do they'll it. They'll do it. Yeah. And that's where I really see this going is if they don't have to consult on laws then they'll just pass a law. Now, if that law violates your charter and it's got to go to the Supreme Court, and that's a minimum 10, 15-year process. Mm-hmm. Minimum. So go for it. Have at her. If, even if it's a five-year process. Well, great. That gets me past the next election. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't care. Yeah. How many heart laws did Harper pass that got struck down? Nobody cared. No. But then he could say he was tough on crime. Yeah, but it got struck down in the Supreme Court. Yeah. What do you do? Who cares? Yeah, but I'm trying to be tough on crime. It's all those other guys. Yeah, it's a damn Jeez, liberal those Supreme other Court. Guys in that Supreme Court, man, I'm trying to do the right thing, and he didn't lose any votes for it. Didn't, not at all. And and that's the, what we have to realize is I think Indigenous people need to wake up to the fact of how the political, Canadian political landscape works, how yeah. the game is played, and how we're being played. Yes. And especially, I, I think uh, a lot of the Métis people that bought into these promises of oh, we're going to get all this money for housing and we're going to get all this money for this and all this money for... We got $500 million coming for this and that and this. Like, they got to start waking up and realizing there's so much to that story that you're not being told. And if if the government has these $500 million for housing and all this stuff, why, where is that money now? Why aren't your houses better now? Like, why isn't that money flowing so you need to start waking up to the fact that these guys are, are lying to you. That's what they are. They're lying to you and saying, we got $500 million coming into Alberta for housing. 
That's a lie. You don't. And it and when nobody's telling you well, that it's that, it's so that, misleading. I think that is the big question: is no one says when. Yeah. So you got five hundred million dollars coming in for A. You've got a billion dollars coming in for B. But yeah. When is that money coming? Well, most of it, if we look, is over a ten-year plan that doesn't start for another two years, mm-hmm. which means we might this government could be long gone, mm-hmm. and we might not ever see that money because it doesn't materialize in the next federal budget. Well, that and even within this government, they could completely change that in the next budget because those are just projected promises. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're not budgeting ten years from now, and and laying out a framework where they have to meet these budgets every for the next 10 years. Mm. They're laying out what they think should happen in the next 10 years in their hopes and dreams. But next year when they do a budget, it might be different. And they might say, you know, well, we couldn't do that. So now it's but even if it 100 was, million over 10 years. Even if it, we said it was the Liberal government. Yeah, like they well, could okay, do so that. The, even if the Liberal government holds true, Justin is a man of his word, the Liberals are going to maintain, you know, their their Jesus-like status and our savior, <laughs> savior position. How many years is he going to be in as the, the Prime Minister? How many yeah. more years do we honestly have uh, where they're going to stay in power? Yeah. If they win the next election, then we've got That'll probably them, be his last. That'll be his last. And that'll be the Liberal Party's last. Yeah. So even if they stay true to their word and they keep those portfolios good for the next, you know, we got what's not quite six years left. we got about mm-hmm. five and change. And then after five and change, I would, I would be, I'm not a betting man, but I would bet on the fact that we're going to have a change of government. Totally. Which means that it, the new government coming in is not under any obligation nope. to fund that portfolio. So whatever the Métis people are receiving now in funding, you're not, we're, we got projections that don't start for two years, which means you might get four years of the funding. The government's going to change, there'll be no more funding. Yeah, exactly. Or there'll be drastic cuts to that funding because yep. they can't afford it. Yeah. I mean, it's not like they said, okay, we've uh, we've put in a law that says uh, 0.04% of all tax revenue from Alberta goes to the Métis Nation of Alberta. It's not like they passed that law. Mm-hmm. So it's all up in the air. It's at the whim and mercy of the person sitting in that prime minister's chair. Yeah. Or the person sitting in the INAC or mm-hmm. whatever, the CERNA but, but chair. We've, but we've seen so. every every Indigenous organization has had increases in their spending and they've had decreases in mm-hmm. their spending based on the government's projected forecast in their budget. Yeah. And so right now we have a favorable government. And then we won't. And then we won't. And, and then we will. And then we won't. And, that, and that's the real thing yep. is this latest ruling should be the real kick in the pants for a lot of people to wake up mm-hmm. and realize... That none of this is in our control. No. That the government is still in a completely dictatorial place that they will tell mm-hmm. us when, where, and how. Yes. And they don't, they have no interest in consulting any of us about how that impacts us, what that nope. would look like, or anything. And I think that's all this latest court ruling was. And it was no face palm. It was no big surprise. I wasn't aghast. No. It, you know, I wasn't shocked. This was an inevitable outcome. Yes. Yeah, because I mean, what like the like the Supreme Court's going to go? No, no, you guys are equal to us. Well, then why would they need a Supreme Court ruling for that? Mm-hmm. Like the Supreme Court just negates their own power, well, their they- own the entire colonial system. We go by going, no, you're equals to the Canadian government. No, not a chance. Well, and that's the whole point is I don't think people really that. So what you're saying is then we have to create a whole new house. Yes. Because every law affects Indigenous people if you're talking about cutting trees or drilling an oil well. Yeah. Making a dam. Paving a road. road. in. Everything. So we have to create a whole Indigenous department across Canada for every First Nation and Métis mm-hmm. lands group so that every law we draft 
Yes. Métis people can have their input. Well, if you don't think, if you think a law doesn't get passed now, yeah. <laughs> no law will ever get passed anywhere ever again. Exactly. And if you think that the, the government of Canada and the Supreme Court is going to say, oh, hell yeah, that's a great idea. <laughs> Let's create 660 sub-boards yeah. of consultation across the country for every jurisdiction that ever wants to do anything oh, yeah. on what they consider, like you said before, crown land already. That, that's yeah. not ever going to happen. No. And so, not like, woo, big shock. <laughs> they said no to Indigenous people today. Yeah. Well, and like you said earlier, I mean, even a Supreme Court victory isn't really a victory. It's kind of a, well, I guess that was a win. Uh, it's not, it's always, there's always, it's always a give and take. Yeah. You know, there's happy. always, a, you know, issues with that. So, um, I guess uh, probably one of the last things, uh, and this might be quick. I don't know how long to talk about this, but the mayor of Edmonton received his spirit name, I guess. Mm-hmm. And his name translates to Daystar. And he got it because of his commitment for Indigenous awareness training that he's been doing with the city of Edmonton for three whole years. Mm-hmm. Um, now, this harkens back to when Trudeau got elected and he got a headdress down in uh, Blackfoot territory. The big war bonnet. Yes. And uh, it was not, uh, I don't think it was Blackfoot people that gave him the headdress. It was Sitana. It was, yeah, it was, yeah. It was Sitana that did it. So I just want to make sure everybody understands that. Um However, and I know a lot of people did not like him getting the headdress. A lot of people did not like Harper getting the headdress. Um, so, I mean, I don't know how you feel about giving names. I mean, they, uh, th- to me, this is really up to that nation. Um, like, I don't know if I have the right to really say he shouldn't get a name. He should get a name. If that's an elder and they say, no, I have, I have a name for that person. Guess what? That elder has a name for that person. But... I did read, and I think you read this too. Somebody else said, uh, put this on Facebook, and uh, it was a, it was like written like a letter to Indigenous people and said, "Dear Indigenous peoples, can we stop gifting sacred items, headdresses, spiritual names, etc., to non-Indigenous people in position of privilege slash power? They haven't earned these sacred things. There are many of our own people that don't have names because of intentional colonial disruption and invasion." Outlawing of ceremonies, residential schools, 60 scoops, and other things. And this is still happening in current laws slash policies. We go back to what we were just talking about. Instead, we can, can we please start asking for our lands back, resources, slash support to rebuild our own laws, slash legal orders, legal structures, and nationhood. Until this is addressed, we have nothing to gift anyone for. And I thought that was a really good perspective on it. Um, I don't know how you felt about that but well one, one i always laugh it's like for me again i recognize the, the i'm not here to judge any elders if that's what they wanted to do that's what they wanted to do yeah the, the funny thing that always bugs me about that is if you're a nobody yeah then the, the amount of ceremony the amount of contact the amount of legwork you have to go through to achieve those kinds of things mm-hmm. in in your own identity. Yeah. And and God help you if you're trying to reclaim it because of colonial trauma. Mm-hmm. So if you've been separated at birth through adoption, through whatever means, and you're trying to get that back. Yeah, yeah. It's no easy thing to to achieve these things. Yeah. And no one is ever going to give you a headdress. No one's giving you a blanket. No one's yeah. giving you a beaded nothing ever. Yes. And you're going to have to endure a lot of hardship and uphill battles. And yet anytime some joker gets elected to a public office... You know, any Indigenous person is drooling over the things they get. Yeah. You know, oh, they just get given a name. What ceremony did he go through to get it? 
Yeah, yeah. Well, probably none. Yeah. You know, but, oh, he got elected to be the mayor. Yeah, exactly. And his office during his time puts in good stuff. You know, the headdresses, who wouldn't want one? Who who wouldn't want that kind of recognition from your First Nation community to have those elders do that for you? Yeah. You know, I don't know anybody that wouldn't want that. Absolutely. And yet, I can tell you none of them are going to get it. Yeah, yeah. And they're only going to not get it for one reason. And here's the sad part, is they're not a colonial politician. Yes. Elected to a position of power. Yeah. And so, if you're inside an indigenous community, the very things that are given away freely to... You know, these non-Indigenous politicians, because they happen to make favorable policies. Yeah, yeah. Um, hold value. They hold meaning. They have tradition. They have ceremony that the people who live in community, I think, have a very hard time uh, accessing. Yes. And, and receiving. And, you know, you look at the quality of the gifts and the things like that that are given to these people who only ever hang on mantles, you know, adorn yeah. office walls, you know, sit in a plaque somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, doesn't have a real, you know, what real intrinsic value does it have to him? Yeah. Whereas you look at people in community, what would they do with that instead? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, and I know, I know for myself, uh, like I know quite a few people that don't have an, uh, they have never been named, never gone through a naming ceremony. Um, and it's, it is because of a colonial power structure. So it, it's, it's difficult for me because I'm not an elder and I recognize that elders, if they have a name for somebody, then they need to give that name to that person. Mm-hmm. And I get that, but I, I do, I do like the way that this person wrote this, wrote this out. Cause it is very true. I mean, yes, these people are in these positions of mayor or prime minister or premier or whatever the position is. That is a very much a, power, a position of power privilege within a colonial system doing colonial things. Um, and I don't, I think there needs to be a higher standard as to when you earn, uh, like, a headdress or something. Um, I, I just think if you're, a, like you were saying, if you're just no, uh, you know, average person out there, but even, even if you're a non-Indigenous person and you want to get a headdress, well, how do you do that? You're going to spend years working hard to get there, like you said. Well, I think these guys should have to do it too. I think they should have to prove, you know, over a 20-year period that they learned a language, that they were friend, like they really did something for Indigenous people. I mean, um, I've heard stories of so-called Indigenous awareness training, and I don't know if a lot of people absorb the Indigenous awareness training. Um, I've heard people that put on Indigenous awareness training there was a story maybe a year ago where a lady was doing training and the people were spinning in chairs and talking and they weren't listening and they, they didn't care at all what she had to say, but they did the course. They did the course. And I thought it might even have been Edmonton Police Service. I can't remember. I think it was in Edmonton. So it's one of those things where I think you got to do more than just have some training, some, some one-day one training seminars for well, your, your employees. And for me, the optics is bad. So on yeah. one hand, we're coming into the great season that every Indigenous <laughs> person loves Halloween. Mm-hmm. And we're going to rail against all the costumes. And yes. we're going to post them on social media. But at the same time, we hand out headdresses like they're, every politician should have one. Yeah. We hand out blankets and jackets and, you know, sashes. Yes. And, and we hand them out. Yeah, yeah. So if you're popular and you're, a, a, you know, a colonial representative, you get the headdress and you get the sash and you get the jackets and the beads and the trinkets and the name... 
You know, mm-hmm. who, when you're just Joe Whitey sitting there watching TV, well, well, then why can't I do that? You know, if I use little meme maker and he gives me, you know, exactly the, the 10 questions and I get my spirit name <laughs> and my, you know, I get my, I you know what's my totem yeah. there. I, oh, you know, yeah. I might get my wolf spirit animal and, yeah. you know, why can't, I can go, I can go down to the store, buy a hand drum and start singing. Yeah. And I can get a headdress off eBay. Like what difference does it make then? Yeah. Exactly. Because we're just giving them away to anybody anyway. How, yeah. if they were really sacred items. Yeah, if yeah. these were really traditional things that you had to go through and it was ceremony and they were reserved only for special people, well, we give them away to anybody. Yeah. All you got to do is get elected office, put a public policy through, and hey, we love you and we'll give you a headdress. Yeah. On the national news. Well, and, and like I understand wanting to, things have been so bad. I mean, it, it, the bar is really low. When you talk about this person did a lot of great things, you know, maybe the mayor really is doing some good things for Indigenous people. But the bar is really, really, really low for what those good things are. Like, um, is he going to Ottawa and saying, no, as a mayor of Edmonton, I'm very disappointed that you, Prime Minister, are not equally funding education in and around the Edmonton area for all those res- reserves. Why is that not funded equally? Is he personally doing that? Is he, Is he really championing and fighting for Indigenous people? Or is he going... I have this report and we need a policy and I have a bunch of lawyers and policymakers that said, we need, here's the policy. And I said, okay. And I put my little signature on it and we move forward with some training. To me, that's like the least amount of work you can do is put in some indigenous awareness training. But even, even if we want if we want to honor these people, yeah, why can't we honor them in a way that's honoring to them in their own society? Yes, exactly. So instead of a headdress, why don't we buy them a nice Armani suit? Or, give him a certificate. Or why don't we get him something, you know, but why can't, if we're going to give him some clothing, why don't we give him some clothing that's appropriate for his culture? Yes. Why do we got to give him our headdress? Yeah. And if we're going to give him a name, why don't we give him, I don't know, another whitey name, you know? Yeah. Why, why do we got to give him, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, why do, why do all these things we talk about on Halloween that are cultural appropriation, why do we just hand them over though? Yeah. Like, oh, there you go. Boom. Yeah, yeah. Here's your headdress. Here's you know, here's the paint. Here's the yeah. You know the sash. Here it all is. Well, but I thought that was all ours. Yes. Yeah, and, and so I don't know. I mean, again, it's not really my place to tell people what to do, and I'm not, I'm certainly not trying to do that. I just do. I understand the spirit behind it. I understand Absolutely. the motivation behind totally. it. Totally. I think though we need to engage the colonial government on its own terms without having to always make a show out of our culture, out of things that are on our ceremony yeah. that is in our tradition shouldn't be on a public giveaway to the guy who happens to do what we perceive as the most good thing in the moment for us. Well, and on the flip side of that, okay, so we have, um, you know, lots of chiefs and councils out there. There's some bad ones. There's a lot of good ones. Um, so what is a, what is a person who's in the position of chief for their, their reserve? their nation, what do they get for doing great things for their people? What does the colonial government give them for an award? What do, do they get some sacred thing from the colonial government? So to me, the, the, the real problem I have with this is it, it's always the expectation in, in, from the colonial side for, for indigenous to give and we receive uh, if I'm the in, in colonial system. It's never the other way around. And I'm not talking, I mean, yeah, there's land and all these things, but 
But realistically, if you go to any events and stuff like that where uh, it's, it's a reconciliation event and you have Indigenous and non-Indigenous, the non-Indigenous almost always will say, well, but you guys need to teach us more about you. You guys need to put more, you, you guys need to reach out more. You know, you guys need to step up more. It's always Indigenous having to take that step forward. So, and I totally understand these gifts. They are gifts and they're mm-hmm. to honor people. But why is the honor only one way? What are they ever given back as far as an honor? Are they given uh, a 2019 GMC Silverado fully equipped? Like, what what is the equivalent honor from a colonial standpoint? But if, but if we're if we're I mean, let's go back people. to the old trade thing though. Yeah. So if we're going to honor our colonial oppressor for passing laws that happen to be beneficial for them, and we're going to give them, you know, our traditional yes. ceremonial items. Do we get a new hunting rifle in return? Do we get new do blankets? We get do we get new blankets? Do we get yeah? Where where is the because that's how it used to work. Yes. You know, you give, they give. Therefore, yeah, you yeah. show your equals in this the giving, and yeah. all this ever happens is we give constantly these cultural items, and there's no there's no return of no. recognition, and and more to the point then, is it, are we, are we really honoring them by giving them these sacred things? Yeah. Well, and, and that's I don't think they put the same value on it by any stretch of the imagination. And it's it's just a one way street. Mm-hmm. And it, it's I I would love to see one day uh random, you know, chief or random council members or random uh any indigenous randomly getting awards from the governments for recognition of the fact that, oh, you're you're doing good things for your people. And we want to well, recognize that. I'll do you one better. Like, I'd like to see those same elders in those same communities recognizing people who are busting their backsides for the furtherment of their own indigenous communities. Yes. Where's, or or their own families or their own... Yeah. Where, like, where's, uh, you know, how many people do we personally know across Alberta who are in community who are working hard with mm-hmm. little or no recognition from their even yeah. our own people? Yeah. You know, where's their blanket ceremony? Where's yeah, their, yeah. Where the, where's their name gifting? Where's their Absolutely. And they're never going to get one. And they're never yeah. going to get that recognition, but we'll give it to just some politician for signing off on a policy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think it's, uh, I mean, it's a complicated issue. And, and I I certainly don't judge anybody for doing it. I just I just think, why is it always the one-way street? And why is it never reciprocated? Mm-hmm. I mean, this these same people, I, Justin Trudeau gets his headdress and then turns around and goes and says, oh, well... Um, you know, we can't quite fulfill as quickly as we thought the whole drinking water promise. And so now that's just, you know, mm-hmm. put back. Well, but no, no, no. We, you've been honored as a, as a friend, as a, as a person who made promises to indigenous people. And I get the honor of, of what they did, but then he totally failed to do so. So that's, that's where my issue is, is it's always one-sided. Mm-hmm. It's never fair. And well, it's we, never, you never see it reciprocated. And there's no follow through. There's no repercussions. Yeah, like the, the odd time you'll see somebody elected to Senate or a order of Canada to an indigenous person. But I mean, that's 30 years of a lifetime spent working on that particular human rights or something. Oh, now we'll give you this tiny little award, uh, medal of honor from Canada. Mm-hmm. Not, oh, you were elected to chief. Oh, well, here's a new, brand new Maserati. <laughs> like, or whatever, like mm-hmm. you said, new brand new Armani suit. Like, there's no, but there's no trade off of equal. Just value. because you're in that position, yeah. And that's what I'm saying is we're giving these 
these highly you know charged items that yes. are highly prized in our own society that we come down hard on anybody yeah. wearing in mockery. Only Justin Trudeau got one in a huge ceremony that doesn't do anything but collect dust in his office. Yeah. And, and you know, where's, you know, where's all the drinking water? Where's the mercury in the water? Has it been fixed? Is there, a, yeah, yeah. you know, any of these things that should be done by someone who is so honored by our people yeah. has done, done very little to save any of our people from, these, from these maladies. Yeah. And yet, and this is my problem is, it, why don't we honor them then in their own way, in their, that's appropriate for their culture? Yeah. So instead of giving them a headdress, why don't we give them an Armani suit that he can yeah. actually wear to his work? And say, well, where'd you get that suit? Oh, the, the you know, this First Nations community yeah. gave it to me. Give them a f- stupid, get a medal made and give it, give it to them. Yeah. They, they seem to like medals. Yeah. So then, give them an order of an Indigenous Canada medal. I don't know. Yeah. Or, or whatever nation <laughs> it is, why don't they make their own medal and give it to them? Exactly. Or, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, well, why do we trade these these items that are highly charged and, yeah. you know, highly sacred? Should be. Uh I don't see why they're a giveaway just because you managed to get elected and sign off on a policy. Yeah. Or if somebody spent 30 years of their political career fighting on behalf of indigenous people, Hey, I totally get that. Mm -hmm. But when you got elected and six months later, you're getting a headdress. I I just don't see, I, I, I understand why they did it, but I just don't see how he earned that. Um, and exactly. And that's what I mean is no one's ever going to give you an eye or anything. no, We've been at this for over two years. Have you gotten anything for him? No, no. And but it, and and I don't expect it. No, me neither. But that's but, that's my point. Is though yeah. there's lots of people who will work a lot harder than I do, for to, sure, in their own communities for their own people, who get no yep. recognition, yeah, yeah, and and no gifting, yep. and we give it to a colonial politician on a whim. It yes. seems like you got got elected, like you said. He signed off because the bureaucrat said this is the policy, this is the procedure. He signs yeah, off yeah. on it. They implement it, and all of a sudden, shazam, the indigenous yeah. world opens up to you and pats you on the back, and you get things that people in our own culture can't get. And then six months from now, we'll read another story how some indigenous elder got uh, was trying to eat lunch in a mall in Edmonton and got kicked out from security for being yep. a, for being a hobo. Mm-hmm. And we're back to the same old circle of bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, I don't know. I... I, it's not my place to 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 tell people what to do, but I do think I think it needs to be reciprocated. I think it needs to be, like you said, something that they value. We can give them gifts, maybe just not these gifts, something but, yeah, else. Yeah, and I think I think that's totally true. If we want to be, especially at the time of Halloween, you know, if we yeah, want, yeah, is a real eye opener. If we want to stop this cultural appropriation, we want to stop all these kinds of conversations. Yes. You know, costume wearing, you know, headdress wearing. Yeah. Then we need to treat them as sacred. We need to treat them as internal that are gifts yeah. to be gifted to our own people. And if we want to honor colonial politicians, let's honor them in a way that's honoring for a colonial politician. Yeah. Not an indigenous leader, not as a, a indigenous, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think that's that's where I stand on it. I don't have a problem. That's their choice. But I think that's kind of the old way. And I think we, if we're going to look seven generations down the road, we need to forge a new way of honoring yeah. our, you know, colonial Print, partners. Give them a certificate of recognition and put it in a $10 frame. <laughs> An MOU. They love MOUs. They, yeah, there you go. MOU everything. We should MOU them. We have a memorandum of understanding for stuff. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, we're pretty much in an hour, so uh, I think I'm 
pretty much spent. Well, we could keep going. <laughs> well, I, don't, we, I don't know who would keep listening, but we could keep going. I know we always got to cut it short because we could go for eight hours. But uh, if you enjoyed the show and you want to uh, show your sport and show some love for the show, you can head to our Patreon page. The link will be in the description. Uh, of course, you can pledge five bucks a month and, and help us out. Uh, we are still one slot away from uh, giving doing a draw for the flag and the mug. So... I hope somebody heads over there this week and signs up, and then we can give those things away. Um, but I think for both Jason and I, I can say uh, I hope you guys have a great week. And until next week, the jig is up. You are the spark that's starting a fire that will spread across this land. And it will be a fire that doesn't burn, but a fire that cleanses, a fire that ignites in our hearts and creates light. No more